You're listening to the RCF Podcast, and I'm here today with Peter Atkin, the pastor of Living Hope Christian Church in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Matthew. I was asking you a, a question a few weeks ago. What is something that you believe is important for college students to be thinking about these days? Yeah, I think it's always important, Matt, for us to make sure that we're coming to God on His terms rather than Him coming to us on our terms. Mm. Just who is this God that we worship? You know, who is this God that the Bible certainly professes? and and proclaims, uh, but then how the world always tends to twist that and morph that to its own self. I think the tendency of humankind throughout history has been to fashion God in our own image um, so that ultimately we're controlling him rather than us, him controlling us. And whether that's uh, in, in terms of just ignorance, like people just looking at creation and trying to figure things out and, you know, what's higher and what's bigger than me, or whether it is intent in terms of saying, hey, I particularly don't like what what God is and, and, and what the Bible affirms, and so therefore I'm going to go my own way in terms of how I define him. And when you think about just the, the glory and the nature of God in terms of all that he is, you know, we have to remember that Romans 1 does tell us that his, his eternal nature and power are revealed in creation so that we are without excuse. You know, I was having a conversation with someone trying to lead them along a way in terms of their own understanding, and they talked about an amorphous kind of, well, there's something out there. And the question I asked them, well, is that person a someone or a something? And the minute you go to it's a someone, well, then therefore now, does that someone have shoulds? And it was, does he have things that he would expect from us because of who he is? And so naturally, when we come to Scripture now, and we have the greater revelation of God, now all of a sudden God is revealed to us in very specific ways. You know, the great reality of any person's existence is to come to the understanding that God exists, that he cares for me, and I should be related to him. And to, to think about all the Bible does say about him in terms of his character, the fact that he is, he is righteous, he is just, he is loving, he is merciful, he is true, he is sovereign. All these things that are intended to supply for us, guide us, instruct us. You know, when you think about the great value that would be in understanding that kind of God, it's just immeasurable mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms. You remember those, you know, the MasterCard commercials? This is priceless in terms of coming to that understanding. And, and yet, what, what is in our hearts in terms of what we tend to do with that? God is dismissed, that God is devalued, uh, that God is set on the sideline, but it's all this tendency of humankind to fashion God in our image. In other words, I want to put God in a box that I'm comfortable with rather than letting him be who he is. And, and what, what's funny about that is in that we're doing to God what we're saying we don't want people to do to us. Mm. Again, when you engage with this creator God, this supreme God, this sovereign God, this, this God of Scripture, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God of covenant, this God of relationship, this God of Christ, all, all of a sudden, all those other things that we're wrangling about, wondering about, questioning, become second to the fact that God is real. He does exist. There is evidence for him. There's more evidence that he does exist than he doesn't exist. You know, God is spirit, so he's always going to require us to come to him in faith. But then once he exists, now all of a sudden we have to come to him based on who he is. Therefore, particularly in terms of the subjective nature of culture and what college students are facing, to kind of have that objective standard of saying, no, I know who God is, and I know what he says about himself. 
Um, I, I know what he requires of me in terms of the, the, the kind of person I would become. You know, so, something else I say about the character and nature of God is that if your best friend was a mechanic and you didn't know that, and your car broke down. You'd be calling people and wondering who to contact and who's going to give me the best price. And then you find out your best friend is a mechanic. Well, all of a sudden, isn't that a great comfort? Now, all of a sudden, now there's provision that's coming from that person. And so therefore, first, if we dismiss God, he's not available to us. But then if we define him according to our own senses as opposed to him, then we're missing all the things that God brings to us. You know, you think about just what God brings to us in terms of his nature that does comfort us, does console us. You know, when you think about the compassion of God, you think about the grace of God. And those are the things we want to hear, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you know that, I know that. Oh, of course, you know, right. God is love. And one, one thing I say in relation to that, too, is, okay, if you say that God is love, how do you know that? Yeah. Like, what is your objective standard? What right do you have as a human being to say, I have something to say about God that's independent of what he has said about himself? And so, therefore, we take those things that we've heard in church or Sunday school or whatever or TV show. Oh, yeah, that, that like that part of God I like. But, well, but if that comes from the Bible, well, now all of a sudden you have to accept all the parts of God that come from the Bible. Yeah. So if we're going to fashion God into our own image, yep. yes, that is what we go toward is yep. we make him more like us in our minds. And we go toward those things, toward love and even grace. I don't know that we're all that gracious, <laughs> but, but we like that yeah. of, of God. So what do we tend to neglect? What are those aspects of the character of God that we tend to push aside or maybe that we don't even like to think about? Sure. We don't affirm. Like, like what, I, what I always think about God is that if we reject God, then we're going to be accepting things that he wouldn't have us accept and then rejecting things that he would affirm. Yeah. Therefore, I, I think that the, the aspects of God that we like are those things that comfort us, that affirm us. Like, it's okay that I am the way that I am. The things we don't like, oh, these aspects don't make you comfortable being who you are. His holiness, his righteousness, his purity, his, his integrity, his honesty, his sovereignty, all those things, maybe highlighting that aspect of sovereignty, I've, I've actually got a series of lessons that I teach. The, the, the first one that I start with is a sovereignty, because I think that's in some ways the most important aspect of God, because he is in control. Mm. And he's in control whether you like it or not. You, you, you can shake your fist and you can say, I'm not going to believe. That doesn't change anything about who God is. You're out in the wind. God is still who he is, and he's comfortable being who he is, regardless of what you do to him. He's not subjectively evaluating himself, saying, how many people are believing me today? No, he is just who he is, and so therefore we have to get on board with him. But the thing I say in that context of that study on sovereignty, is that about comfort or is it about control? And certainly it's about control. It is about God saying, okay, this is who I am. These are the things I require of you. These are the standards I ask you to live by that has always been part of God's revelation of himself. He's never been a God who says, I, I am here and just do whatever you want. No, it's always been, I'm here, and it matters to me the kind of things you do. And so, to me, that control is comfort. Like, if you need control, then control is comforting. In other words, you know, we don't like speed limits. But you know something, when a guy hits us and they're speeding, and now all of a sudden we have more harm because they're speeding, oh, all of a sudden we want want the policeman there. You know, our our children are playing in the street. No, 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 now, now all of a sudden speed limits matter. The point I'm making in the context of this is that control is beneficial. See, if the God who is sovereign is also God of love, of mercy, and of grace, 
then therefore I can be comforted for the fact by the fact that he controls. And when God says, go here, I can know he's doing it to my benefit. He's doing to his glory, but he's always doing it to our benefit. How terrible it would be if you get cancer or something like that, and right. you think God's actually not in control of this. Yeah. God has nothing to do with this. Yeah. That's not a very comforting thought. It, 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 it's not. In fact, sometimes there are things we face in our life that it is only God can that can answer that. It's only God that can console. And so therefore, when we reject him, now again, we're, we're left out on the limb. We're left out in the wind to now define ourselves, bring our own resources, our, our own help, our own answers. And yet when we come to God in an objective way to say, God, I'm going to let you be who you are. And then I'm going to receive from you the full picture of your character. And so therefore, if it is about compassion and mercy, I'm going to understand that you're a forgiving God. But on the other hand, you are a righteous God. Therefore, even as I follow your way and I, I affirm the things that you affirm, I reject the things that you reject, that really does start with his character. Mm-hmm. Like God never presents his law outside of his character. In fact, I'm amazed how often this God of creation, this God of glory, this God who is above all things, makes value statements about himself. Like, follow me because... Believe me because I'm the God of Egypt. I'm the God of creation. I'm the God of covenant. Come to me. You know, what, what does Jesus say? Take on my yoke because my yoke is easy. That is God saying that I care about your benefit. I, I care about what your life is like. Maybe I don't want to say this in a podcast, but I'm, I'm in a very uncomfortable part of Scripture in Joshua chapter 6 where the Israelites are commanded to go into Jericho and kill everyone. That, that's a that's a hard thing to stomach in our subjective world, where, where we again we want to evaluate. Well, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem loving. That doesn't seem merciful. And that's where when we come to God, we have to say, God, I, I maybe I don't understand that, but I trust you. I know you. If you knew something about that situation that required that, I know God. You're not capricious. You're not random. You're not flipping a coin and saying, okay, what am I going to do today? No, 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 you're the kind of God in your sovereignty, in your omniscience, in your omnipotence, you have the plan all laid out. And so therefore, I can trust you even in a context like that to say, yeah, I might not like it, I might not understand it, but I trust you. And so that's where, to me, the character of God is behind every aspect of how we engage with him in terms of our obedience or our trust or our faith in him. If we take this incident and say, okay, because of that, God, I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to reject you. Well, just realize you reject the God of creation. You reject the God of Christ. And salvation. Well, right. Salvation. A lot of people accept from him the things they like and reject the things they don't. They really like Jesus. They really like... Well, I don't know that they've always read. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they like the Jesus that's in their mind. Right. Okay, the point I'm trying to make here is Jesus, I mean, he is the greatest expression of God's love and his mercy. His condescension to say, I as God am going to come to you and reveal myself. You'll never have to question again the kind of God that I am because you can see me. That was one of the primary purposes of Jesus coming here, is just to reveal the character and nature of God. This is the kind of God I am. But then to provide the great sacrifice of dying on the cross, having our sins placed in his physical body, so he becomes the source of atonement. He becomes the mediator between us and God. What Jesus never did, 
is they never said, by the way, that thing in Joshua, we really didn't mean that. I want to apologize for that. That really didn't happen. Everything in the Old Testament, Jesus affirms. In fact, says, you've heard this, now I say this. He's just supplementing what the Old Testament said. He doesn't dismiss it. You know, not a jot or a tittle is, is going to be removed. He's bringing clarity. Well, it, it, yeah, he's, he's clarifying the spiritual aspect, the hard aspect of the, of the physical law, of the mm-hmm. behavioral law. But anyways, the point being is that if he's willing to do that, and there's really anything in the Old Testament in terms of what it reveals about God, he, he would have a chance to do that. And, and, he, and he would. He would have an intent to do that. Therefore, if we are very attracted to Jesus, well, you know something? Jesus does not have a problem with Joshua 6. Great point. Therefore, see, that, that, that to me drives us to that objective understanding that I have to accept God on his terms, not ask God to be on my terms. Because what we might miss in the whole aspect of the revelation of God will be to our detriment. There are other things that God says about himself in, in commanding the Jews to do that, but it's those kind of things that make us uncomfortable. But we have to decide what is the greater aspect of God's character in terms of the greater revelation of Scripture. God is not doing that all the time. That's a very specific incidence where that is required. And, and so then, then the greater revelation of God is what it is. So therefore, God must have had a purpose for that. And it's, it is about his righteousness. It is about his holiness. It is about the evil of the people that are there. But, you know, behind that is if God is real—see, it starts with if God is real and, and, and he has manifested himself in terms of being sovereign, being creator, being above us, well, then therefore he gets to call the shots. You know, there's a verse in—it's in the Psalms, actually— be still and know that I'm God. And we oftentimes look at that when it's about comfort. You've got bad news. You've just lost a job. Be still and know that I'm God. Well, I think that be still and know that I'm God is in every situation that we find ourselves in. In terms of scripture, like in other words, when we come across things in the Bible that might say, oh, well, I don't understand that. I don't like, be still and know that I'm God. In, in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is actually having a conversation with God. And basically, what Habakkuk does is he's saying, okay, the, the people of God are not being obedient. God, what are you going to do? They're breaking your covenant. They're defying your name. What, what are you going to do? So God reveals to Habakkuk, the prophet, I'm going to bring the Babylonians, and I'm going to take them into exile. I'm going to judge them for their sins and so on and so forth. Habakkuk then goes to God and says, how can you use an evil nation to judge your people? Like almost, how dare you? And God reveals, you know, where to walk in faith. Habakkuk, you just have to believe me. And that's where the great verse comes in. If there's no cattle in the stall, no wheat in the fields, like if there's no, if the internet isn't working, if, if I've lost the job or the bad news has come, I'm going to rejoice in God, my Savior. You know, God, I, I think God welcomes our questions. He welcomes this kind of engagement with him. When you're going through things that would cause you to question God, like allow those things to draw you to God, not away from God. I love this whole discussion of being careful that we're not fashioning God into our own image. And that really should drive us to the scriptures, to know right. him more uh, when you talk about seeking him, that's where we find him. Yes. And we actually created a bag that we gave away earlier this semester, and it just listed several attributes of God. Yep. And yep. we were intentional on that right. to not just put God is love, God is gracious, God is kind. We absolutely put those on there, but yep. we also put 
God is wrath and God yeah. is jealous and some of those things that we don't tend to like, but we put the scripture references to mm. that from Nahum. Uh, yep. God is wrathful. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can read the book of Revelation and say, God is wrathful. Yep. We don't want to ignore that. And if we fashion him into our own image, if we just try to get to know him with one certain aspect, mm. then we're actually going to miss him. Mm. Because if mm. we just think God is all loving and then he's not holy and he yeah. doesn't care what we do. Yeah. And and we need that bigger picture of who God is. Sure. I love the, the quote from A.W. Tozer that he says, the most important thing about us is what comes to our mind when we think about mm. God. Mm. Because if our mind is shaped with a God that is not the God of the Bible, a Jesus sure. that is not the Jesus of the Bible, we're in trouble. We are. And and we, we will are. drift into all kinds of sinful patterns sure. um, in, in shaping him into our own image. Yeah. As you mentioned the Word of God, you mentioned the Scriptures, you know, that is that objective source. You show me someone that hasn't gone to Scripture for their knowledge of God, and I will show you some way that they've subjectively evaluated God and fashioned Him according to their own image. By definition, in terms of what I'm encouraging here, is that we need to objectively pursue God, and the only place to do that is, is in His Word. Amen. and what he's revealed about himself. That's great. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Very thought-provoking, yeah. and I, I hope that college students will take this to heart. I hope it causes them to dig into the Scripture more. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the RCF Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. You can find out more information on Rhodey Christian Fellowship on our website, rhodeyfellowship.com, or on Instagram at Fellowship.